Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the Big Dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined with two titans of industry, Jonathan. Hey! And Pappy. Hey now, I've got my white sparkly tux on. I've got a bow tie that I tied myself. I think I look very handsome tonight, I must say. Not as handsome as young Tom Hanks, but I, I put on my Sunday best for you, Kyla. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. I, I imagine you're a very handsome boy. Um, I'm sure Nurse Malcolm would agree. Uh, but thank you guys for joining me, Jonathan and Pappy. We're here to talk about a movie directed by my Aunt Penny Marshall, a movie called Big, starring Tom Hanks. But let's talk Tom Hanks, guys. Before we talk about Big, we got to talk about the star in classic big dumb movie fashion here. Pappy, are you a fan of Tom Hanks? Do you like his movies? Which movies do you like? America's Dad. I, it would be an extraordinarily hot take to say that you don't like Tom Hanks. Uh, we were talking about Chet Hanks before the podcast. I guess his kids are more hit or miss, but everybody loves Tom. The first episode of Spoilers, the pilot episode, was actually Castaway. That movie's okay, uh, but I, I really like him in Toy Story, actually. I feel like people don't give him enough credit for bringing like unwholesomeness to to Woody. The original script for Woody, he was like this huge asshole of a guy, and I think I'm um, sort of like rewriting that and reworking it as like a buddy story with like Tom Hanks as the voice, and obviously Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear. Like, I, I don't think he has enough credit for like being like the biggest animated franchise, basically, of all time. I mean, Woody is an asshole in a lot of the first movie, though, right? Like, true. He's really an asshole in a lot of them, but then like they rely on him to redeem himself. But yeah, the end he of the has movie. like like he Woody's redeems. the one that learns the lesson at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But he was going to be worse. It sounds like. Yeah, if you look up like the YouTube like early concepts, he's just like roasts all the other toys, and he's like really, really <laughs> mean and stuff, and like bitter toy. Like it's a very different take on the character. More room for growth. So if Corey and I were in. Toy Story, he would be Buzz and I would be Woody. How would I be Buzz? Because <laughs> you can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, you can't fly. Pappy, <laughs> uh, wasn't Toy Story like redone completely? Like, is that the original version that was completely scrapped? Because as I understand it, that movie, like, they did it, and then they're like, fuck this, we're redoing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that came from our friend of the pod, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, founder of the Quibi platform, uh, well known for that. Oh, yeah, my favorite of the streaming services. And uh, Toy Story is, like, one of those movies where you, when you look at the credits, the writing credits, I think it's, like, Josh, Joss Whedon's on there, maybe, and then also, like, one of the Coen brothers has, like, a writing credit on there. It's, like, really surprising. Hmm. how many like iterations it went through but i mean like i said you can't go wrong with hanks especially young hanks like in big jonathan talk to me about tom hanks oh man i think i've liked tom hanks through almost his entire career i mean you could always go all the way back to like bachelor party i even enjoyed him in that i mean that was before i think we were even born uh maybe like 84 85 something like that yeah um Turner and Hooch and then you get into stuff like you know uh, after that with uh, Forrest Gump Castaway Green Mile Polar Express I really enjoyed that movie The Terminal kind of a, what's that The Terminal yeah The Terminal was really good I actually don't like The Terminal oh well <laughs> 
I guess. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. I I've like heard that of that. Movie. That's a little war. Yeah, movie. a really small war movie. Yeah. Little low, <laughs> low budget film. Yeah. yeah, it was like an indie film directed yeah. by that yeah. uh, that Jewish director. What's his name? Up and yeah, coming. Just that one guy, Jewish director. Actually, the, the brother of the w- woman who wrote Big. I think that's what he's known for, being the brother of uh, Anne Spielberg or whatever. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I think I think that's right. Um, I know, I, Jonathan, you're, you're touching on an important point, and that is that Tom Hanks is a fucking legend, right? Yeah, I mean, he's generational, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's really anybody that is a beginner or a hardcore movie fanatic that wouldn't enjoy at least one piece of his work. He's a true, like, movie star in the sense that, like, everyone seems to like him for his movies. So, like, he's a, people respect him. He doesn't have a whole lot of controversy. And, um, all right, I'll give an example. I watched a YouTube video or maybe it was on Facebook and I don't normally like this kind of shit. I normally like make fun of it. It's a video of like this family at a wedding, right? It's a wedding. You see the bride, you see the groom and Tom Hanks is just like nearby. It's like in a park or something. And he just like walks up to the bride and groom and says, hi, I'm Tom Hanks. And they just like start freaking out. They're like, oh my God. And he starts like taking pictures with them and stuff. And I like that video. Like, it warmed my heart. Because, like, imagine you're getting married and Tom Hanks shows up, right? You'd be like, fuck yeah. 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 I mean, that wouldn't... Get that man a beer. (laughs) Like, if Marilyn Manson showed up to my wedding, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here right now, dude. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Unless you're leaving a substantial monetary gift, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, there better be a George Foreman grill. (laughs) At least. (laughs) Yeah. Did either of you guys see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? No. Uh, yeah, I did see that movie, the um, uh, Mr. Rogers movie. Yeah, I liked it. It was pretty good. I thought it was a strange casting choice, at, but also the only casting choice, right? Like, it was one of those things where it's like, Tom Hanks? Yeah, I guess it has to be Tom Hanks, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, literally, like, who else Who else would it be? Right. I guess there's no one that really looks like Fred Rogers enough to really... Like, I don't know if there's anybody that could really replicate that personality. Why, Pappy? What do you think? It's like the epitome of what Tom Hanks is now, right? You know what I mean? Like, he's become the embodiment of folksy, kind protagonist dad. Like, I don't even think he's been in a bad guy in, um, in a movie since, like, The Circle, which nobody saw. It's, like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But, like, when you look back at, like, big Tom Hanks, he's, like, a totally different type of actor. And even, like, mid-90s Tom Hanks is, like, going for different kind of roles he's really kind of evolved uh, as a movie star yeah and i think it's smart to do that as you age i mean it's really just a a perfect career in a lot of ways maybe with the exception of mazes and monsters which has like the worst message of any movie i've seen i think (laughs) maybe that's just because i'm a DD guy and it's like an anti DD is satanic movie (laughs) very strange propaganda piece that one but i want to just briefly touch on what is probably my favorite Hanks role and movie, which is A League of Their Own, mm. which is also, I think, a Penny Marshall movie. Yes, it is. I'll have to text her and find out. But yeah, I think <laughs> actually, she's dead. Rest in peace, Penny. I'm so, can't I'll, believe, I'll vouch for her. I can't is. believe I forgot my aunt died. Yeah. Sorry for your loss, Corey. Yeah, yeah thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> what a great role, though, right? In yeah. A League of Their Own. So like the, good. He has a great character arc, but like just seeing him as like the drunk, like fucking... <laughs> A washed up baseball player that doesn't give a I, fuck. I love when he nails 
still will in the face with the glove, dude. <laughs> it's like, get the fuck out of here. That laugh is so good. Dude, so good. You're gonna leave. Yeah. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> One thing about Tom Hanks also is that it kind of in his evolution of his career, I really like that he got away from that really like loud and obnoxious mm. um, voicing that he used to do like tr- in the eighties, early nineties kind of thing. Like for an example, almost kind of like a, a Martin Lawrence kind of thing. Like all their acting ability was just being loud and obnoxious, you know, right. he kind of expressed that a little bit in like Turner and Hooch and, mm-hmm. Also in this movie a little bit. And then like the prior ones like cocktail and, you know, splash or not cocktail, um, bachelor party. That's another Tom. Yeah. That's a different one. (laughs) But like, I'm glad that he kind of like got away from that. And like, and then when he did toy story, you could get a little hint of it with Woody, but not, not as bad as it used to be. Yeah. And I know what you mean too. Cause I I can think of him as Woody doing like the, you are a toy, (laughs) the yelling scene and stuff like that. You The real Buzz Lightyear, you're a, you're an action figure. You are a child's plaything. It is it is kind of cute, but uh, well, not for like you know after 10, 15 years of movies like that. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean, and I agree with the evolution. Yeah, definitely, and that's a good observation. It's his voice has like a very throaty quality to it. You know what I mean? Especially like when he's doing like his exasperated. Yell and like Tom Hanks is one of those people. I don't think I've ever met anyone who sounds like Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Like I've never met anyone in real life who talks like Jimmy Stewart or who talks like Marlon Brando. I don't think I've ever met someone whose voice quite sounds like Tom Hanks. It's a very warm, reassuring voice that he has. Yes, it is a big deal. You can't just say I promise and then forget about it. I promise are the most important words you'll ever say. He's got a, like a really diverse range though too. Cuz if you think about what he does with it between like movies like had just came out, I saw the Greyhound uh movie. He's so like the mannerisms of his voice are just very calm and mm-hmm. and steady throughout that vo- um movie and then you go back to like uh The Terminal where he played what was he like Russian or something? The name for a father sounds like good. I want to say he was Russian, but it probably wasn't actually Russian. (laughs) Probably getting that wrong. uh, Probably. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Russians. Uh, (laughs) But like uh, he just has a really diverse uh, range, but familiar at the same time. Well, now that we've sucked his dick long (laughs) and hard, (laughs) let's discuss this very specific Tom Hanks movie. And for those of you assholes out there who say, Wait a minute. This isn't a big dumb movie. Well, one, it's a movie, and two, it's big. Mm-hmm. So those facts are irrefutable, I think, and, right? And regardless, it still is kind of dumb. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure we just hit it out of the park. <laughs> Any movie made in the 1980s can at least somewhat qualify, I think, right? Well, uh, just based on the concept of the movie alone, it's dumb. <laughs> Some fucking kid makes a wish on a machine that's not even plugged in. Like, come on. That was the treatment. That wasn't the script. That was in the treatment. Some fucking kid makes a wish on a machine that's not even plugged in. <laughs> Dumb little bastard. Right? 
Dude, that that's exactly what the description on IMDb should be. <laughs> you should write all of them, Jonathan. <laughs> you imagine? It would be wonderful. So let's discuss big. Pappy, mm. can you take us into it about how the movie opens and uh, we meet Josh Baskin? Yeah, it's that uh, that bitch Carol Baskin's son, Josh. <laughs> he yes. We don't get a ton, a ton of characterization about young Josh. The very first shot of the movie establishes that he's into computers. He's playing some kind of DOS type game. I don't. I, Corey, was this more yeah, of your time? Barely I never beyond played. the advances of Oregon Trail at that <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> I never played games like this. Uh, those text games are so hard. Yeah, because you never know what to type. Dude, that, that whole game was on a floppy disk, man. <laughs> like, damn. Huge file. <laughs> that was the Cavern of the Evil Wizard, Pappy. Mm. Those, are, those are those old text games where like you, and some of them you can see images, but usually you just type what you're doing and you just imagine. Uh, this is pre even like Ragnarok. Do you guys know about Ragnarok? That was like one of the oldest like D and D computer games. But yeah, he's playing Cavern of the Evil Wizard, right, Pappy? Yeah, and I mean he's got a pretty good life for the most part. I mean he seems to be suburban New Jersey middle class, upper upper middle class, two parents at home. He's got friends at school. Uh, his only real problem and and a lot of what's going to motivate his decision to be small or be big or go back to being small even is um a girl that he has a crush on I, i don't remember her name in the movie it's not really important but he's too short to ride the roller coaster at the carnival and she's dating some guy who can like drive now or whatever yeah I mean, he's 12 years old at this point in the film, and, you know, he, he is a normal 12-year-old, like you said, but, you know, he likes older women, and I think that comes into play later as well. <laughs> For sure, yeah. I think he's 13, by the way. I think they he say He turns the 13. Oh, right, right, right. Good call. Yeah. Jonathan, maybe you can tell us more about, like, when he's at the carnival, because, like Pappy said, we kind of breeze through his childhood pretty fast. Like, this movie gets to the point it needs to be quickly i think uh how does it go at the carnival for him well he's there with his parents you know good little family carnival thing doing rides doing shots you know stuff like that is he doing shots (laughs) he's got a flask in his little coat yeah he's doing jello shots (laughs) behind the ferris wheel dude they're they're doing jello shooters in the parking lot (laughs) (laughs) give him a few years (laughs) no they're just having a good family time. And then, so he sees whatever, whatever her name is in line to go on that roller coaster. He decides he wants to go on it by himself. <laughs> and his dad, I think kind of picks up on like, Oh, there's, there's a little lady friend over there and goes, all right, fine, go ahead, do your thing. And, um, <laughs> what really annoyed me was like, so it's a, a, single file line thank right? you or yes. maybe like two pairs and like so instead of him just like showing up onto the side you're like oh hey there pretty lady <laughs> um he like splits the line like totally in half and bumps through all these people just to stand up next to her like what was the point of that yeah like jackass. it didn't even need to be there it's the most aggressive way you could possibly budge in line possible just like elbowing your way through a crowd of people rather than sliding in from the side like a normal human being yes I yes. go to a lot of theme parks, and that is Dude. a big no-no. Yeah, yeah I, I've 
I've punched people for less. Like, <laughs> for less. I know. <laughs> I've assaulted people for less than that. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So he then he he goes up to get on the ride. He's too short by like six inches. Sucks for him, dude. I mean, so embarrassing. I mean, that's like where kids start developing like complexes for the future. Yeah. Right there. there I mean, he's totally embarrassed in front of the girl of his dreams. She already just shot him down because she's got a boyfriend who drives. Right. You know? And um, so I, I, I genuinely felt kind of bad for him in that moment. So that's when he developed, you know, the the wish to, I just, I want to be big so I can get chicks. Yes. You know? And he goes to the now famous Zoltar machine, right? right. That's that's I a would, famous thing now. I, like like I if you imagine. go to um, like Vegas or whatever, you know, you're going to see one, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. all from this movie. It was invented in this movie. And now it's just like a thing you see in places like... Yeah. You know, you might see one like outside of an arcade or something. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool that they had all those, um, an arcade set up at the little fair. Right oh, me there. too. Yeah. That was really cool. That, that really got my attention. I was like, like any self-respecting kid when he's depressed, he goes to the arcade. I was like, I'd be there right with you, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I miss eighties arcades. Those were the shit, dude. They, I, I mean, we talked about it on toys, but yeah, so. he makes his wish and it's not plugged in. It's magic. Well, he originally, like, he just starts, like, beating the shit out of that thing, and then it just turns on, right? Yeah, which makes me think, like, is the magic inside of him, or is it the machine? I mean, if it's not inside of him, the implications of this machine are absolutely insane. We could have a big cinematic <laughs> universe just based on, because there's more than one of these things, like, around. Yeah. <laughs> Plot twist, he just knocked himself out <laughs> trying to get that thing started and this whole thing was a dream yeah i mean a lesser movie might do that actually yeah. you know yeah before we move on did I, this is just a note too did you guys notice that like after this the dad is totally gone from the movie like i a, did notice that 100 percent gone <laughs> it's very I guess strange the idea is like he left the mom right i is that canon i don't know did, did he he leave the mom because he was so traumatized about his child disappearing he's the number one suspect in the kidnapping Dude, that's what's happening oh behind the scenes i never even thought about that until now <laughs> he definitely would be the number one suspect holy fuck they were probably like the dad really doesn't care he's just going to work anyways <laughs> it's like one less kid to feed there were scenes that were deleted from this movie i don't know of any with a dad but I watched the deleted scene right before Jonathan got here, and it was Tom Hanks, like, basically, like, as an adult, like, pushing around other kids. Like, it seemed like he was shaking them down for money. Like, the scene was short, so I wasn't really sure what he was trying to get out of them, but it had a very aggressive and, like, hostile angle to it, which you don't see in the actual movie, which is a good thing, hmm. right? Give it to me. You better give it to me. You better. Look how big I am. Look, look, look how big I am. One with sauerkraut, please. What are you looking at? You really don't see him interact with any kids at all except for Billy. Right. And I think that's to the movie's benefit. Uh, for sure. For sure. It's got to be a secret. Jonathan, did you think that the um, the carnival ride guy looked like a fake Jesse Ventura? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. I, I thought he was definitely in the like, you know, local circuit wrestling ring. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what he does when he's not being a carny. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was also really impressed with the fact that that carnival totally disappeared by 7.30 the next morning right. <laughs> with that crazy storm that they had and everything. That is efficiency. Dude, telling you. <laughs> they just gave them a bunch of tweak or something and let them tear down. Like, that's why I don't get on rides at the fair, man. Fuck that. Oh, uh, dude, that's why I get on them. Because there's an actual danger of death. Like, <laughs> oh, no thanks. I, I've told no this story thanks. before, but I, I assembled a tilt-a-whirl and a Ferris wheel as part of like a day labor job I had when I was like 22. And I, I had no idea what I was doing. And like literally people were responsible for like hammering in the pins that hold up the carts on the Ferris wheel who were like out of their mind on drugs and like drinking and stuff like on the job. Like I could see it and smell it and it was a part of it kind of to some extent so it's just like people's safety are like these transient temp workers assembling ferris wheels i, I would never ride one of those things ever you so Dude. that's like really turned you on the idea of riding those kind of rides pappy i've seen how the sausage gets made basically yeah like to jonathan's point there's a lot of drugs that go into disassembling a, a circus overnight even in the zoltan machine i i guarantee you they have spare parts after they build those things <laughs> Guaranteed. Oh, God. <laughs> this kind of takes us to the next part where, like, Josh wakes up in the morning. First of all, a lot of feet, dude. A lot mm. of feet for too long. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> How many movies do we got to see Tom Hanks in Whitey Tidies? Yeah, I mean, he didn't pee, did he? So that's... No, he did. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's yeah. another one. Because he pees a lot in movies. Yeah. It's like but a common thing. Remember like in Turner and Hooch, he's, um, he decides to get down to his whitey tidies to wash the dog in the backyard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they were black. I think they were black. I don't know. Either way. Well, in this one, he had like G.I. Joe undies. Like yeah. Like little tiny... Like, <laughs> Child's <size>. underwear, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either way, I'm tired of seeing Tom Hanks in bikini freaking underwear, dude. <laughs> Well, fortunately, I think he's moved beyond that at this point in his yeah, career. Yeah, I don't think he wears them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Being think he wears any underwear. 65 years old or however old he is. His choice to leave the house and re-enter the house is probably the worst way he could have done that, I would think, right? <laughs> like, like, if he just screams for his mom right away. Like, this, the second he sees his morning wood, he should be yelling, Mom, what the fuck is, like, happening? I'm not a normal person. I'm not who I was. Yeah, but then he would have been knifed immediately because he avoided the knife True. Like, later on, yeah. right? I I love his like 13-year-old mentality that he really captures or 12-year-old mentality that he captures throughout this entire movie, right? Like trying to put his same pants on in the morning. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would have just done that by instinct, right? right. Um, he looks at his dick. Yeah, like, whoa. That's like you know? the first thing. Dude, he looks down in his underwear. He's like grabbing his chest hair and stuff and he's like holy shit i got like a five o'clock shadow on my face like this is all a lot to take in for sure and then like to um speak to the other part where he comes into the house like his first thing is like my mom's freaking out because i didn't wipe my feet right. on the mat you know <laughs> not because like there's this grown-ass man like running into my house right now and i don't know who the fuck he is but it's like oh my god i got mud on my shoes i, I love that scene a lot actually it's one of my favorites of the movie I think the mom's reaction is, like, really good. Like, I think her acting is really good in that. Total mama bear instinct right there. Yes. Like, protect my child at all costs. 
Her like level of freak out is is intense. It's high, man. Yeah. It's Josh. Mom, I'm not grown. Stop it. I made a wish last night. I turned into a grown up, mom. I made this wish on the machine. I turned me into a grown up. It was last night at the carnival. My birthday is November 3rd, mom. I gotta be in my history test. Yeah, pick the birthday. You can have anything that's in it. Go away. My baseball team is called the Dukes. I made this for you. Who are you calling? Ah! I have a birthmark behind my left knee. Bastard, what did you do to my son? I am your son, Mom. Where is my child? Mom! Where is Ma. my son? Mom! There is good acting, but there's also bad ADR. Mm-hmm. And like there's dubbing where her mouth isn't moving, so that's just weird. You know, you want to try to avoid that in a film. But yeah. it's pretty minor, and it's an 80s movie, and you kind of forgive things, I think, in an 80s <laughs> the movie. The whole production crew was on drugs back then anyway. Were they? That's slightly, you know, they're, they're looking over that stuff. A lot of coke in the 80s, man. A lot of coke. <laughs> so another big dumb movie that we did, Baby's Day Out, that really splits the narrative, not maybe down the middle, but it gives at least, you know, 10 to 15% of like the second and third acts talking about the parents' reaction, right? And the investigation and the involvement of the cops. Is it a good decision that we don't see that at all? Like not even a second is spent on, well, maybe like, once when the the kid's friend goes back to like get him clothes or whatever and some money but that's it like we there's no mention of like the investigation or anything that's happening yeah that that was it that's the only scene with police investigation and then the milk carton like, true that's it i think this movie is definitely showing like it's time like when it was made because of that um but also like this movie can be described in one line you know the, it's the pitch I'm sure was very short. It's like, what if a kid got a magic wish to be turned into an adult and then antics ensue, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of the antics. Like how many times has this been done since then also? I mean, it probably wasn't the first time that it was that it was also done. Yeah. You know, like what is that 13 going on 30 movie or something that came out a few years after that? Or the classic Robin Williams movie, which is uh, based on a similar premise. <laughs> you know, no, no magic. It's all science, that one. But uh, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Even Shazam reminds me a lot of this. There's a lot of similar plot points with Shazam. Oh, the movie where Sinbad is a genie? No, I'm just kidding. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, re- the very <laughs> real movie that exists. <laughs> I got things to say about that. But that's another podcast. But no, I agree. You know, it's a, it's a premise that we've seen, but... From my mind, when I think of like the quote unquote first, I think of this, even though it's probably really not, but I think that's maybe just our generation, right? Like, oh yeah, big, like that classic movie where they did this premise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where a 13 year old fucks a grown woman, that premise. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's better than, better than a student teacher uh, relationship. I guess. At least he was like a grown man. I mean, it's better than Ish. a lot of things. Sure. <laughs> 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 he was grown-ish I mean he had hair Pappy maybe you can tell us about uh, how Josh Baskin and his best friend Billy handle this situation yeah I don't know if we've mentioned much about Billy I mean he's a little bit of a not super wild like he maybe he's the one who like pushes the, the friendship a little bit more right into like kind of like Keep tiptoeing on the line type territory of friendship. I kind of got that vibe from him, but he's a good loyal friend. And he recommends that they go to New York 
for reasons that aren't, you know, totally clear why they need to get a hotel in New York necessarily and not just New Jersey where they are. But they want to get um, records about where the Zoltan machines are. And they go to a, a religious hotel called St. James Place oh, yeah. or something. Very Catholic place. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you guys caught this, but there's a shot within the hotel room. It's right after Billy leaves. And it's this really long one shot. I think it's like over a minute long. And it has like Hanks closing the door, going over the bed. There's a gunshot. There's like fighting in the hallway. He gets scared. He like moves the dresser in front. And the camera's like moving along with him to some extent. And then he like lays in bed and starts crying. Whereas all this like noise going out, going on around him. Like it's without a doubt, like the best individual shot of the movie. And it looks, looks really, really good. That was some really good acting in that scene. Hell yeah. I, I mean, I could totally relate to him at that age and time. And if I was in that situation, I, I would be exactly the mm -hmm. same. Yeah, I'd be very freaked out as well. It's just great to see how he handles that. And I can see why they have this one long take because it was fucking gold. You know, and he he starts crying like he really starts crying. He goes mm -hmm. from being just like kind of like petrified to actually crying the actor does it, you know, there's no cut away and put the eye drops in. It's really good. One other thing that kind of speaks to the time, um, this being a PG rating and like the first thing they see is that crazy guy, like in the beginning of uh, their um, intro to New York City. And he's this guy is literally for like 20 seconds walking across the screen saying, kill the bitch, kill the bitch. <laughs> right. I'm going to kill the bitch. I'm going to stick it in her. I'm going to kill that fucking bitch with a knife. Dude, yeah. Kill him. Kill him. What a knife. Yes. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. I noticed when I started this movie on Amazon Prime, it said rated PG for drug use, sexual content, foul language, and violence. Where was the drug use? All the things that would make a rated R movie normally. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and this is rated PG. Yes, PG. Yeah. Billy yeah. drops an F-bomb. Towards the end of the movie. He does. Yeah. At the end of the movie, he hardcore drops an F-bomb, right? In, yeah. In, uh, right in his office. <laughs> and he, he calls him an asshole. And yeah. yeah. Who the fuck do you think you are? Hey! Hey, you're Josh Baskin, remember? This was, that was pre-PG-13, right? I, I don't know. It was around yeah. the time. When was Gremlins? Like 86 or so? I yeah, think so. Because this was 88. So... Well, yeah. Spielberg has like a big sway over the MPAA too. I was wondering if he had pulled any strings for his sister, who did write the movie. That wasn't a joke. And Spielberg. I wonder if he like <laughs> helped her out there, got her some PG rating. Might have been the case, yeah. But uh, Josh Baskin and his friend Billy, they have to go figure out where the Zoltar machine is. They go to some... This is very pre-internet stuff, you know, like... <laughs> A lot of movies from this era can be solved yeah. with the internet now. <laughs> yeah. They go to City Hall. Is that where they go? Yeah, they go to City Hall in New York and, and find the Department of Consumer Affairs. Okay. They're basically trying to obtain a list of, like, local fairs and carnivals. Yeah. Right? So they can yeah. find the machine, turn back into a kid again, all will be well. Um, but that's going to take a long time. At least six weeks. So he has to adjust to being a now adult, even though he's actually 12 years old. And uh, so he gets a job. Maybe, Jonathan, you can tell us about, like, how that goes. 
So he uses uh, Billy's locker number as a social security number in his uh, job application. I Just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then during his interview, he's like, you're missing two numbers on your social security number. He's like, uh, 12? Yeah. <laughs> the interviewer, dude, that him with the pen drove me fucking nuts, dude. I'm like... I would have walked out of an interview. <laughs> Seriously, if I was applying for a job and the guy was sitting there clicking the pen like that, reviewing my application, but really? fuck you. What if dude. it's a really good job? Oh, like they're going to pay you dude, a lot fuck of money. That. If that's yeah. the guy who's making the choice to hire me or not, fuck him. <laughs> I'm, out. I'm way out. <laughs> He's just the HR person. You have to deal with him again. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Dude, a guy, a guy like him, like is up in everybody's business. Dude. You're nobody's happy. Clicking his pen there. in your ear and dude. shit while you're trying to work. Yeah. Yeah, dude, he's fucking Lumberg, dude. He's he's like he's that guy that's gonna come up to you and be like, "I'm gonna need to see you in HR, okay?" <laughs> you would have walked out of the interview, Jonathan, but would you have ogled Elizabeth Perkins the same way young jo- or well, Josh does? Yeah, uh, of course. If Elizabeth Perkins is bending over my desk, dude, I'm looking for sure. How fucked up is she, though, for barging in on a fucking job interview <laughs> with her fucking drama? She's fucking important, man. She is so important. Fuck that, dude. You don't walk into a job interview and start bitching about someone spelling their name all the time. Like, what is... How She said someone was spent the last six months typing their name or something. Like, like what her does that secretary even got engaged, I think, is like the premise of that. And now she's just like daydreaming of like her new name so rather than you know talking to her employee or pulling her aside she barges into her boss's office and makes a huge scene uh the right way to handle that in office culture definitely it happened again david the girl is absolutely useless you have got to give me someone who knows what she is doing excuse me i'm not getting any of my mail nothing has been filed ever since she got engaged my life has been a disaster you know she came so highly recommended She spent the last three months writing down her married name, Mrs. Judy Hicks, Mrs. Donald Hicks, Mrs. Judy Mitchelson Hicks, sometimes with a hyphen, sometimes without a hyphen. Sometimes she spells the hyphen. Anyway, so he ends up getting hired as, what, order entry? Data entry. Data order entry, yeah, where he sits next to John Lovitz. What a a tough place to be, right? I know, right? (laughs) I'm Scott Brennan. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Josh Baskin. Listen, what are you trying to do? Get us all fired? Huh? Yeah, slow down. Pace yourself. Slowly, slowly, slow. Sorry. Today's my first day. I know. So how long have you worked here? Five years. Work stinks, but the fringe benefits are great. See that girl over there in the red? Say hi to her and she's yours. She'll wrap her legs around you so tight you'll be begging for mercy. Well, I'll stay away from her then. I met that guy once. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's another one. <laughs> yeah. Tell us. This one was actually interesting. This is at the LA Auto Show. And um, the company I was working for, we had a booth there that we were selling some stuff. So I sold him like $500 worth of shit. You sold but, John Lovett stuff? Yeah. Did you upsell him? Of course I did. <laughs> that's a good boy. Um, that's, that's a good boy. <laughs> so check this out. How weird was this? So we had to see his ID because we were processing a credit card for him. He had a California ID with a New York street address on it. Like, how cool is that? Damn. 
It's fucking, that's some John Lovett's power right there. That's the most coastal elite thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And he was, dude, he's so short, like pretty ridiculous. And I actually, and I met Arnold Schwarzenegger the same day too. God damn. What yeah. a day. Yeah. Well, LA auto shows are pretty big deal. Anyways. I don't want to like harp on this, but I mean, the movie is like really sexual. I guess that's like a lot of what's happening in the movie. Like really the only thing John Lovitz has to say is like, Hey, see that lady over there? She'll, she'll fuck you if you say hi to her. And that's pretty much the extent of their conversation. Like he's, he's totally perverted. Like, and he's kind of like plays that character really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. It's funny that he says like the pay sucks. But the fringe benefits are great. And the fringe benefits are the office hoe. Right. Yeah. Like that's what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, it's so, uh, I don't know what I, how I want to describe it, but like Joss is just like, wow, well, I'm going to stay away from her. You know, it's <laughs> totally speaks to the 12 year old in him. It's a nice setup for the joke later when she says hi and he literally won't speak to her. Yeah. At the for party. sure. For yeah. sure. Good, good consistency. It's cute. A lot of things in this movie are just cute. Right. And I think that's the best way to describe like some of this stuff. Like it's, it's kind of funny, like in theory, but it's not like laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. It's cute, you know? Yeah. It's watchable. I feel like throughout the movie, the jokes and um, consistencies on that still holds up even today. Like I don't, there's not a whole lot in this movie that, that doesn't hold up in my opinion anyways. It works for me. It's hard for me to see past nostalgia, though. Pappy, did you yeah. see this one growing up? Not growing up. I didn't see it till like junior high um, and watched it like once. It wasn't like a big part of my life by any means. I like it's weird. The little things that you remember, right? Like obviously the piano scene, everyone remembers. Um, I remember like the hotel very vividly. And I also remember John Lovitz <laughs> very vividly for some reason. But that's about, oh, me too. about it. Yeah. Yeah. He stood out. Right. Like that. He's one of the things I think of in this movie, but he's in it so little. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think you guys are right. It's more it's more cute. I don't know if I ever like busted a gut watching big at maybe like once or twice during the whole movie. I might have as a kid, but yeah, I know what you mean. So Josh Baskin, he has a job now. He's like, you know, trying to live his life as an adult, but he's really 12. Um, he's doing his data entry. When he fir- gets his first paycheck, him and his friend, they like have a little like party. They do what a bunch of kids would do with money. They get a fuck ton of pizza. $187.30. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> Dude, I love how they consulted each other on how they wanted the check cashed at the bank. They wanted a fuck ton of ones because of course they do because everything they buy is like... A dollar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Do you know how many trips we can go to the ice cream man with this? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but I, I think it's a good addition to have like stuff like that. Uh, I like the silly string bits. You know, I, I copied that myself a lot as a kid, pretending to puke with silly string from this movie. <laughs> uh, but in Josh's downtime, he goes to a, I think, famous mm-hmm. toy store in New York called FAO Schwartz, which I think is pretty well represented in this movie. Pappy... You might know this. Is this the same toy store from Home Alone 2? Um, I believe it is. I think so. There was an FAO Schwartz in Chicago on Michigan Avenue. So I actually went there like two or three times. So you've been to one? Yeah, two or three times. And I was like sub 10 too. And it was like 
as cool as this movie makes it look, to be honest. I mean, you know, this is like, obviously, but there couldn't, no, I mean, it's obviously some product placement, but like, I still, I still loved it. But what were you saying, Jonathan? Oh, I think there used to be one in Vegas too. And, and I think I went to one in Vegas when I was a kid. Yeah. It's like an imagination stuff. Like literally it's like as cool as you could ever, like as a kid, it's like a 10 out of 10. Like this is the coolest place I could possibly ever be. What I like about this toy store scene is, um, well, the toys, for lack of a better word. Like, the thing that always bothered me about the toy store in Home Alone 2 is that it always just looked like a bunch of model trains and shit, you know? Like, I'm not really interested in that. Like, they show stuff that you can actually play with in this. You know, he's got, like, the laser tag stuff, and he's looking at, like, the fucking hockey set or whatever. But, of course, we have... The very famous scene from Big, the most famous scene from the movie, Jonathan, the piano scene, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That scene's always stuck with me ever since the first time I've seen this movie. He, like, just is so mesmerized by this life-size piano that Mr. McMillan takes him over to. And then they end up having this little jam session on the piano. They got a little crowd around. It was awesome. Playing some smooth jazz. Mm. Yeah, right? (laughs) The jazz flute. (laughs) No, it's... uh, We haven't mentioned this yet, but... McMillan is the owner of the company that he works for, who he bumps into at the toy store, and that's uh, Robert Loja. Robert Loja. <laughs> Robert Loja. Hey, we got another name drop here, too, is that we didn't mention that we've already been introduced to Paul, and he's the dad from Home Alone. Yeah. Peter McAllister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, John Hurd. Yeah, that's the actor's yeah. name. Yeah. But for sure. So different of a role, right? For sure. Yeah. He's such an asshole. He's such a shithead, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not a great dad in Home Alone, but, you know, he's a nice guy at least. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> but anyway, the piano scene, they play Heart and Soul, and, uh, you know, a crowd starts to form. It's pretty, like, it's nice, it's memorable, it's, uh, it's not particularly funny, but it is... I guess memorable is the right word, right? Entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's nice to see the bond created between McMillan and uh, Josh. Um, and I think it was that scene was really needed to to portray how Josh was going to get his promotion mm-hmm. uh, into the company. Because without that scene, you, there's no there's no story to how he just shows up the next day and he's got. Bob's office. Good point. Yeah. yeah. So that that's what it is. I did exact same thing written down, Jonathan. Like it, within the function of the story, this might. I mean, one, it's like just the way that it looks too. Like Robert Loja, uh, I guess, practiced for like months and months and months. So there's a lot of shots of them, like you know, actually like a wide shot, like as wide as the piano is. Like seeing them dance, it's like really cinematic and and cool looking. But like functionally within the story, it's like perfect. Right, like it's a show don't tell moment. It makes total sense of why he's having this like meteoric rise, and it's like endearing too to both these characters. And you believe that like this guy Robert Loja is like a toy store CEO. Like it makes sense like why he would be. You see that kid in him, um, which is nice. That's really well said, Pappy. Definitely, and like it was mentioned, Josh here he'd be. He's basically promoted in the company to the guy that tests out their new products. Vice president in charge of product development. Vice president? He's only been here a week. Vice president? And he came from data processing. He's out of his mind. The old man has finally lost it. 
You know, he gave him Bob's old office. Bob's? Bob's office? Bigger than my office. VP of product development. <laughs> Vice president of industrial procurement. <laughs> Flintstones? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> but yeah. The, hey, fellas, guess what I have? <laughs> I think it's really like a perfect job for someone in that position. So what did it make you do for all this? Well, I play with all of this stuff. And then I go in and I tell them what I think. That's it? Yeah. And they pay you for that? Yeah. Suckers! It made me jealous as a kid, and it still fucking makes me jealous as an adult, goddammit. When I was a kid, I was like, wouldn't that be the greatest job ever? Just playing with toys and telling them which ones are good and which ones are shit. And even still, like, I'm, I always wondered, like, if I would grow past that when I was an adult, would I become boring? Would I not like toys anymore? And I never did. And I'm really happy about that, you know? Yeah. So, so but again, part of me has this twinge of jealousy. Like, that's a fucking cool job, man. Yeah. Well, it, it would take a special mindset in order to actually do that job as a grown adult, because as life goes on and, and experiences go on, it's hard to keep that mindset of being able to play with toys and have that imagination and Josh being 12 years old still has that that mentality which it couldn't have been a better uh better job for him better for match sure. for Macmillan toys and now he's making bank dude balling <laughs> yeah yeah to have like a what is it like a 270 degree view apartment in New York damn dude that's pretty I always thought when I was a kid, that that was a sick apartment. It is, dude. Dude, so cool. A kind of dangerous, I think, to have the trampoline in the corner. Yeah, like right next to the glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, but that's the 80s, man. They didn't do safety nets. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> You're not going to put a safety net at the bottom of his apartment complex? Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this should go without saying, too, but Big is the kind of movie that has absolutely no room to, like, cinema sins at all or like every frame of pause like analyzed you know what i mean because it's like the man doesn't have a social security number and he's getting these apartments <laughs> he's a vp of a company he's probably getting stock options and everything and it's, he's got no id yeah no id no no background no references no history <laughs> like it's funny because in the job interview it's all luck right the guy says wait what school did you go to and he says it was called george washington and he goes oh, okay did you pledge and he says, yeah, every morning. And then someone interrupts the meeting. Like, what, like, what was he going to say? Every single time that I hear about the Pledge of Allegiance, all I can think about is Christmas Vacation yep. movie where the, the old man tells Aunt Bethany to do the blessing. And then she starts doing the Pledge of Allegiance. And they all stand up around the table. Yep. Yeah, so good. The blessing. Say the blessing. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's say grace. Oh, grace. She died years ago. <laughs> I think it's exactly. So in the company, he has to do things like attend meetings where he, he does with uh, Robert Loja as well as uh, Paul and Susan. And like in this one meeting that it shows like Paul is like pitching this idea based on the sales of like transformers and gobots mm -hmm. he's basically doing a ripoff version it's a ripoff of a ripoff almost but it's a it's a transformer skyscraper right but their numbers are up 45 percent over the last two years so mm. yeah but they that, gotta do it that's a bullshit fucking toy if i've ever seen one dude <laughs> fuck that toy. i mean 
but I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> what don't you get, Jonathan? Uh, I mean, who wants to play with a building? <laughs> it's not a building. It's a skyscraper. <laughs> well, if you've reviewed the marketing reports, Jonathan, you would understand. What's a marketing report? <laughs> uh, I don't get it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I like how he basically just pitches Beast Wars, right? There's a million robots that turn into something. And this is a building that turned into a robot. What's fun about playing with a building? That's not any fun. This is a skyscraper. Well, couldn't it be like a, a, a robot that turns into, into something, like a, like a bug or something? A bug? Yeah, like a big prehistoric insect with maybe like giant claws that could pick up a car and, and crush it like that. <laughs> a prehistoric transformer? Interesting. Gentlemen, if you... So the robot turns into a bug. Ah, uh, gentlemen, oh, listen, listen to have just got a very good idea here. The robot turns into a bug. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is a great yeah. idea. Someone's what? a water bug? Maybe? Different sizes and things. And, Susan, and we could do ladybugs. You could have them wreck buildings. Which, like, I love that. Yeah. Do you, do you guys remember Beast Wars? Mm. I remember seeing the commercials as a kid. And like it was usually back to back commercials with like that game Crossfire <laughs> like on Saturday <laughs> morning. Exactly. And I always wanted them and I never got them. So Beast Wars was a show, but mainly it was a toy line. And the um one of the main villain toys was like I had I had it. I actually had two of them. I liked it that much. I had two of the same fucking toy, Jonathan. Nice. It was the Scorpion Transformer. It was fucking epic, dude. The sickest toy. I loved the way those things transformed. They were so intricate. But yeah, he pitches Beast Wars, which everyone loves. But it seems like the the fucking empty suits in this meeting, like they come off really stupid, don't they? <laughs> like, like they they have no thought power, like at all. It transforms into a bug. A uh, bug? Oh my god! <laughs> like, a prehistoric bug? Like, yeah, yes, ridiculous. It does. Why is there always that like? obligatory office guy with like glasses and a bow tie yeah every movie in like the 80s 90s that took place in an office yeah one guy like that one guy with like a polka dot bow tie yeah so weird so dumb jonathan better boardroom of toy executives scene this or tim allen and the santa claus eating a bunch of cookies and stuff oh honestly i would take this one because it's a two-parter where mm. it goes into the next office scene where Paul is such a little dickhead and he's like, I don't get it, <laughs> you know? And it kind of trails on throughout the rest of the movie. There's like another scene where he's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, he is vicious. not vicious. Oh, come on, Susan. Don't kid yourself. That man is a killer. All he said was he didn't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get that bag. Yeah, he's going for the throat. He's trying to eviscerate me. See the look on McMillan's face? He is childish, which is, is funny, dude, right? So childish. Because um, he's, I mean, obviously he's the adult and then Josh is a child, but it, it I think that's uh it's good writing to have yeah. him be very childish yeah. in that way. And I got to give a shout out to my coworker, Tyson, who listens to Big Dumb Movie. Oh. And this. What's up, Tyson? Yeah. Hey, Tyson. Thank you. He and I have a running joke with that. I don't get it um, because sometimes our our boss kind of gives instruction on some things like that. And one time, like I was just so fucking irritated with not understanding what he was saying. I was like, I don't get it, <laughs> like straight out of this scene. And Tyson knew exactly what I was talking about. And so ever since then, it's been a running joke. For oh, us. my God, man, you must be uh you must have a very secure feeling in your job, Jonathan, because I don't <laughs> think I would do that. <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty tight. Close right. group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Anyways, <laughs> shout out to Tyson. So Josh really like moves up in life as an adult, even though he is actually a kid. Uh, eventually, they have their big company party, right, Happy? Big company party. Uh, this is where I got the outfit that I'm wearing tonight, the white tux uh, with a bow tie. Oh, you got a replica? Yeah. yeah. It's uh, you know, it's the best gag in all of uh, audio-based podcasts, the costumes that I do for Big Dumb Movie. <laughs> uh, it's really... I dress up for every episode. Really worth the effort. But yeah. Hey, Pab, how, how long are the coattails? <laughs> oh, uh, they, they start in this room and they go to the bathroom, actually. I, <laughs> I went yeah. big. Nice. <laughs> But yeah, I guess this is kind of where the romance of Josh and Elizabeth Perkins starts to really take off. It's not clear to me what is the like relationship between John Hurd and Elizabeth Perkins? Are they like together, living together well, in like an open relationship almost? Well, like later on they he talks about or he like makes a jab at her for like sleeping with like three other co-workers before him right mm -hmm. come on susan he's just another link in the chain first it was uh tom caulfield then hanlon then golding then me am i missing somebody it's not like that anymore she is fucking yeah. her way up the company ladder yeah and they say that <sighs> yeah. in the movie and she but she says i don't do that anymore yeah so like it's she is yeah. she used to be that way supposedly yeah well she wanted to to bang josh and yeah. ended up you know just that's i think after she realized wow this guy is a different then that's when the romance part started like after at the sleepover you know which i don't know i mean i've you know we've all dated we've all been been single in our lives we've all brought a woman back to our place before i just wonder like how my life would be different if my place looked like josh's place like is that is that a, like a bunk bed? Is that something that like women like? Is that like a, a turn on for a woman, a giant dinosaur in the middle of your room? I don't know. Well, as the resident man child of the podcast, it works every time. Baby. I can see it. Yeah. 60% of the time, it works all the time. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> he drags her up on the trampoline so violently. It's hilarious to me. He's so, I, I, but that's like speaks to one of those things that. He exactly captured the mentality of a twelve-year-old. Yes, yeah. Just being there a kid. No, fuck up on the trampoline. <laughs> there, there is no other way that that a twelve-year-old would pull up another kid onto a trampoline. Yeah. Like, not like, hey, grab my grab my hand and take a big step up here. It's like, nope, get your ass up here. You know, I'm dragging you. Now jump while I no watch, regards baby. to you being in a dress right now. <laughs> like, but I'm gonna but I'm gonna lay down here and watch you jump so I can stare up your dress. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty reluctant to get in the jumping game. He says he's going to join like three times before he actually does end up joining. But he's looking for the free show. Elizabeth Perkins has this great like non-verbal piece of acting when they get into bed like the last time. And she looks a little frustrated by the situation. And then I think Jonathan like or not Jonathan. Sorry. Josh gives her like a like a ring like a flash to glow in the dark compass ring so she doesn't lose her way in the night exactly yep. yeah and like she kind of has this look of like going from mild annoyance to contentment and innocent and i guess when you have like the background of that she's been leveraging her sexuality basically in all of her relationships like it makes a lot of sense it's a really great sweet moment with that with that character yeah definitely Another sweet moment that happened a little bit earlier was John Lovitz dancing with a woman at the party. 
Let's start again. Uh. Hey, smell my neck. <laughs> smell my neck. <laughs> <laughs> he asked her to smell his neck, <laughs> which is a really good move. Uh, I recommend that to any single men out there that are in the bar scene. So lots of toys at your house and tell women to smell your neck and you, you won't lose Kylo Ren method. <laughs> hey, what did you guys think about the scene where he eats the, um, the beluga and starts like yakking mm-hmm. almost. And he's just like coughing and just like, can I just get a milkshake? Like I used to emulate that, that like coughing that he did that. Like, absolutely. That dry cough. I used Absolutely. to do that as a kid. Yeah, so did I. When yeah. I did, when there was something that I didn't like the taste of, yeah. I would exactly do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's so like, weird. And the baby corn thing, you know, like he gets the baby corn and tries to eat it like a full size corn <laughs> on the cob. It's so good. It's good. He improved that. The the quadruple double dip. <laughs> oh yeah, that, he does that too, right? <laughs> Dude, like this guy in the background is just staring at him. Like he just keeps dipping his carrot in there like eight times. <laughs> And uh, the, of course, in the apartment, like the famous line when he, he's bringing her in. I'm not sure we should do this yet. Do what? Well, I mean, I like you and uh, I want to spend the night with you. Do you mean sleep over? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I get to be on top. <laughs> like that's. Yeah. That's pretty funny, right? That's yeah. cute. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. It works because she's like still doesn't know that he's got that bunk bed. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it, I didn't fully get that as a kid. Yeah. You know, I had to be a little bit older to understand the joke. Right. Right. Because I was like, yeah, top bunk. Duh. Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> I always got the top bunk. <laughs> Which is actually worse. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's why I brought up like Jonathan or John Hurd and Elizabeth Perkins relationship. It's like. She's full on like cheating on him, right? Like, yeah, like she just slept over at Josh's house, like literally just had a sleepover, like nothing bad. Right. But she goes to work planned on begging. Yeah. She goes to work with with Paul the next morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it ain't right for sure. Like, (laughs) yeah, I guess it just goes to show like the the adults in this movie. Some of them are, are pretty shitty, you know? And yeah. the only one that's actually like good in this sense is Josh. Mm. Mr. McMillan's pretty legit. He's cool. Yeah, he is. He is yeah. a nice old man. Robert Loja. Robert Loja. Robert Loja. How many times are you going to play the Robert Loja clip in this episode, Corey? I think I'm going to go with three. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Robert Loja. Uh, another thing that happens is Paul and Josh play a game of squash, which doesn't end well right doesn't paul ends up punching josh off screen right they get into a little squabble on that so uh i mean it's just more a fucking cheater man. he is a cheater right yeah that's the way the movie sets it up yeah this had one of my laugh out loud moments when paul is chasing josh around tom hanks does this like fake out headbutt almost like towards his groin region and like you can tell like the paul the actor like there's no idea what to do like doesn't know how to react and like jumps back and stuff it's really it's really really silly like for a moment again just capturing the essence of a 12 year old right there on the mm-hmm. playground i love it josh and susan they they continue to date they go to a carnival 
right? They go on some rides. They have a romantic dance, a romantic kiss, and uh, Pappy, how does that go? Look, man, I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, like, <laughs> this isn't the direction I would have taken the movie. According to a Mental Floss article I read, Penny Marshall got a lot of pressure from producers and executive producers to change the protagonist to a girl character who ages up, but she thought it would be, like, too inappropriate to have, like, a 13-year-old girl have a sexual relationship with a 35-year-old man, which does beg the question why it's okay for a 13-year-old boy to have a relationship with a 35-year-old woman. But, I mean, like, regardless, like... Well, she's right. That would be inappropriate. True. But this is inappropriate, too. Right? And, like, you know, like, the movie, like, really lingers on him, like, grabbing her breast. You know what I mean? It's not just, like, a (laughs) wink-wink, door closed, it happened one night, kind of, like, the curtain goes up and you can tell they're banging or, you know, in some clever, subtle way. It's, like, an extended love scene. At least they were honest about it. I mean, yeah... But like I said, like, I, like, you know, like, like when you think of like old timey shows, like the way they like imply sex or whatever, I think if you're going to do this, I would have rather had something like even just a picture of like him going into the apartment and then cut to him, like leaving the elevator all happy. You know what I mean? Like, that's a very different read than like this 13 year old fondling this 35 year old woman's breast. But then you would never get that scene where she turns the lights off and he's like, yeah, that's a big no for me, dog. I want to see this boob. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, so to flip those again. fucking lights back <laughs> on, man. My first boob ever. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a young man's thing, right? Lights on, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say that this is like, I wouldn't, like, say this is, like, problematic, or you wouldn't use that word, or, like, I wouldn't say this is, like, I wouldn't throw away this movie because of that part. But it is interesting because, like, this sexual scene is the entire catalyst for, like, his character changing and wanting to be an adult, right? Like, literally, like, the next cut is he's, like, give me black coffee, and he tears down, like, one of the childish signs that he has, like, in his office. You know what I mean? Like, he wants to be an adult now because he got it in, basically. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. he actually does make that decision, whether conscious or unconscious, to to actually take his career seriously at that point. And yep. he actually starts developing the toys with, with her and uh, uh, coming up with new marketing plans. I got to say, like, in the defense of the character, right, she didn't do anything wrong. No. I mean, other than cheating on her boyfriend, but like, no, that, they had break, they had broken up at that point. Okay, well, yeah, like, she returned his shaver and toothbrush, and and she got, got her, her keys, keys back. back. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So I mean, you know, she doesn't know there's magic. She doesn't know there's a fucking magic gypsy machine that's right. gonna turn a kid into an adult. Right. Who could have known that? It's she's not like, her goddamn. She's fault. like, that ain't no twelve year old dick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Pappy. I'm not saying like this movie should be canceled, but like, if you're gonna talk about big. Like, you have to talk about the elephant in the room, for sure. And um, I once saw a video that I couldn't find again. So it was like a YouTube video. I thought it was college humor. Maybe it wasn't. It was big if it was a girl instead. And, like, it was meant to be funny. But it was, like, how fucked up, like, after the guy found out it was a little girl and he was, like, freaking out. And he's like, no, no. And, like, I don't know. It was just, (laughs) it leaned more into the creepy aspect of it and, like, in a comedic way. 
I don't know why I can't find that fucking video, though. I swear to God, I searched for like 10 minutes. It's been canceled, probably. <laughs> yeah, like this movie. I know, The thing is, though, is like most people like point that out on Letterboxd, but everyone still loves this movie. You know what I mean? I think that's just like the power of like young Tom Hanks's charm. It's so hard to like hate things that he's involved with. For sure. And we did talk about how he wants to be more of an adult now. He's like given more responsibility at work to create a product. And he creates something, an idea for something that's kind of cool, I think. It's like a digital comic, but it's a choose your own adventure comic. Like an interactive thing, right? Yeah. Which I think is like a, a pretty novel and sweet idea. So like he's kind of like getting more serious and trying to get this like developed and he's working closely with Susan. But like while they're working on it, something happened that just like really struck me personally. She just like stops and she's like, what are we doing? What's going on here? He's like asking about like the status of their relationship. And that that moment I said it really struck with me because like that's happened to me in my life where I'm like out with with a woman like you know before i got married of course and like we're having a good time and suddenly like the fucking the feel of the room just like changes <laughs> and she's like what's what are we doing right now i demand answers <laughs> and i'm like uh we're at a comedy show like what the fuck <laughs> yeah like this is not the time and place <laughs> yeah. like this is really where you decided to bring this shit up like come on we're eating pizza hut and drinking red wine what are you what are you trying to imply here <laughs> yeah like what's the this is heaven i mean <laughs> What more do you want? The realism of that scene just, I guess, got to me. Yeah, but it was almost kind of necessary, though. It kind of brought about a state of confusion for him because he's like, okay, what am I really doing here? Like, I'm really, I want to be a kid again, but I have this opportunity to be with this smoking hot chick and develop my product, but... I got to get back to Billy because I've been blowing him off for the last three weeks and he's got the list. Yeah. And he, and he has. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it really, I think, was necessary for her to to instigate that thought process for him. What he does is it's kind of strange. He has like a, a watching kids montage, mm. right? Where like he just kind of goes to public places and just stares at children <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> i mean he, he not is illegal a child. highly frowned upon <laughs> yeah. my favorite part of that montage is he, he's staring at the girl that he has a crush on so here's a sequence of shots it's tom hanks and then it cuts to the girl that he has a crush on don't forget the trench coat don't forget the trench tom coat. hanks in a trench coat <laughs> cuts to the 14 15 year old girl who he has a crush on Cuts back to Tom Hanks, who now has a baseball in his hand, and he throws it, and it looks like he's throwing it like at the, the party of kids like in this convertible, but it's like a different <laughs> location altogether. But there's no indication that the location has changed. <laughs> so it's so confusing and funny, like every time. Like he's yeah. he's bitter at that uh, teenage kid who took his girlfriend. Yeah. A dissolve would be ideal for that, I think, right? Like a good dissolve transition. A, a crossfade. Yeah, an establishing shot, something. A shot of the ball rolling up to his feet. I don't know. Maybe a different angle. Yeah. <laughs> it was a funny angle. <laughs> it was behind you, Jonathan. You could have fucked a jumbo fucking jet in there. <laughs> so Josh, he, he kind of tells Susan, he tries to like come clean with her because he's like, 
I think maybe the pressure of being an adult is starting to like accumulate. And he tells her that he says, I miss my family and I want to go home, which really just brings up a lot of red flags for her, right? I want to go home. I miss my family, Susan, and I want to go home. Oh my God, you're married. No. No. Yeah, for sure. She's like, oh, my God, you're married. He's like, no, 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 no. I actually no. did laugh at that yeah. scene. I was like, oh, God, that's like the worst choice of words right. I've ever heard. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then and she like I felt bad for her because she's totally putting her heart out on the line for this guy and taking a chance on him on a real relationship on a on a mental level rather than just a physical level like every relationship prior and then like instantly bam she's hurt you know and and i think she did a good job of portraying that i knew that this was too good to be true i knew that there had to be something susan i'm not married you're not no i'm a child what i'm a child susan and i'm i'm not ready for all of this oh that's fine that is, that's just great. Well, you see what happened. No, I understand. I'm not ready to oh, make no, a no. I'm not ready to no, accept No, no, you don't understand. Food. I mean, I, I'm 13 years old. Oh, and who isn't? You think that there isn't a frightened kid inside of me, too? No, I mean, I really am 13. I, I went to bed. See, oh. I went to bed one night, and I was a kid, and when I woke up the next morning, I was a grown-up. Oh, right. And just yesterday, I was a schoolgirl with pigtails. I love the response. I'm not married. I'm a child. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, surely that clears things up, right? Yeah. Like, first of all, you got to explain that magic is real. Like, there's really magic (laughs) in the world, first of all. Let me set that up. (laughs) Yeah, she's probably like, now I've heard every excuse (laughs) in the book. (laughs) This poor woman. But yeah, so uh, Josh has his big presentation of his digital comic book, right, Pappy? Yeah, so it's a big, uh, big presentation. I was gonna ask, like, are choose your own adventure comics a thing at all, Kylo? Has that ever actually existed? I don't know, but I found something somewhat related to that very interesting. In doing research for this, there was a fucking comic book adaptation of Big. Interesting. There was a comic book, huh? Can you believe that shit? That just blew my mind. Like, this was, like, literally the last movie that we've done a pod on that I would have expected there to be a comic on. Did you buy it? No. I just read that it existed. Maybe I should buy it. That would be a good one for the collection. But think about, like, the elitists that now get to be like, well, in the comic book of Big, it's like this. (laughs) The true canon of Big. Yeah, the fucking... The fans get to say, like, oh, it wasn't like that in the comic book. I don't like what they did in the movie. <laughs> there was also, like, a musical theater version in the 90s that mm-hmm. won a Tony, I believe. Shit. But anyway, sorry, Pappy. Total tangent. Well, I mean, like, if you're going to, like, I'm trying to think if you could even bring back Big. It would need some serious reworking. But you, you can tell Tom Hanks's heart isn't in this presentation. Billy had just talked to him one last time, basically, you know, pleading with him to to come back to his family and then Tom Hanks just kind of like zombie walks out of the meeting while they're going with sort of the details of the choose your own adventure NFT digital comic or whatever it is so he walks out and then he goes to where the near Zoltan machine is and what's her name Elizabeth Perkins comes chasing chasing after him trying to 
trying to stop him, I guess. It's not very clear if the presentation went well or not. I would assume so, because Robert Loja seems to love whatever uh, Tom Hanks does. But Yeah, but Paul well, you, doesn't get it. Yeah, right. dude, you have that douchebag in there. I don't get it, just to be a fucking prickhead. <laughs> and the whole know? room just like, oh, come on. Gives him one of those, too. Like, doesn't approve of his, of his line. And when you get down to the bottom, you, you have to make a choice of what the character is going to do. Like, if he's going to go in and fight the dragon, then you have to push one of the uh, buttons. Paul? I don't get it. Well, Paul, stop I was, like, putting myself in, like, a real-world situation where I have a lot of meetings at work. And, like, that, that wouldn't go well. Like, you know, like, the revenge, like, tactic of, like, I don't get it mm-hmm. wouldn't go well for that person. I'll say that. <laughs> They'd probably mute him. Well, it makes sense, too. We've talked about how, like, we think of John Hurd Paul as, like, a childish character. That's what Elizabeth Perkins says she loves about Josh, Tom Hanks, is that, you know... He's a grown-up. He's an adult. Like, compared to Paul, basically everyone's mature, even this 12-year-old boy who has no idea how the world works or has never had sex before and is, has a house full of toys. Like, it's only one way to go but up with him. For sure. I mean, I guess he performed well enough, though, for her to stick around. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> about that. Do you think that, like, she was instantly aware that he was a virgin? Oh, she she knew. There she was knew. a line later that said, when she says, that explains it. When she realizes yep. that he's a kid. Yeah. And my thought was, like, that explains that. Yeah. <laughs> that explains why you jizzed in your pants. Yeah. Why she only got it for about 10 seconds yeah. that night. <laughs> <laughs> like... Dude, he touched her boob. He was probably already done. <laughs> it was a Forrest Gump. Thank you, creation. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Sorry. That's what this movie needed was another scene just like that. But um, the Zoltan machine is in some seaside, washed up, crappy amusement park well that was that was the same place that they went on their uh, carnival date. Oh, it okay. is. I didn't yeah. recognize it. So in the if you if you just take the sun down and go put a band out there on the boardwalk, that's exactly the same place. I see. They do tease it when they're at that initial carnival. Like there's a shop. I, I didn't realize that was the same place, but I do love that. I like that right because he yeah. he walks right past the Zoltar to go dance with her. It's almost telling us like if he wasn't being an adult right now, he would see it. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. exactly. I love the shot too. Like when he's trying to get it to to work to make his wish to go back to being a child like he has to like he tries i think slapping it a couple times and he realizes that he has to unplug it and there's this like great like breeze that hits him right when he goes to unplug it and it reminds me of something out of like eerie indiana or like goosebumps or something just like a cheesy little like mysticism of uh-oh he's activating the the spirit machine now by unplugging it's the magic eerie indiana good pull man hey, i'm a hoosier <laughs> i loved that shit growing up with the Hocus Pocus kid, yeah. Mm. Josh does make his wish there to be a kid again, right? And uh, I, for whatever reason, Susan now believes him, I guess. Like, there is a deleted scene where she finds the Zoltar card in his wallet, which I think is supposed to help her come to this realization a little bit. But, I mean, there's not going to really be a good way for her to... <laughs> Like, right? There's no way in unless 
she witnesses the transformation, which she does eventually, but that's after she's already right. bought in. I don't, right. I don't understand why Dude. Billy didn't explain to her. Like, the movie goes out of its way to have her and Billy interact, and he doesn't mention, like, yeah, that's my best friend. He's really 13. It, you know, <laughs> that would have been a perfect time. No, definitely. So I, I had a big, uh, I don't know, issue with the way that it ended, I guess we mm-hmm. could say, where, like, she drives him home, right? Like, that's a big, fat chance like a bold move on her part to assume that this process was going to take place of him transforming back to a 13 year old kid on the drive home like last time when he got big it happened while he was sleeping and overnight right like who the fuck knew that it was going to happen while she's driving him home like what if he never changed they're like sitting out there on the street and it never happens yeah, you're right. I, I've always thought about that. Like, ever since I was a little kid, I was like, yeah. wait, doesn't he have to go to sleep? Oh, okay. Right. He's just going to transform right here. Yeah, she looks no. away. She looks back. He's a kid. Yeah. Like, he's just going to walk 50 yards, and all of a sudden, he's just 13 in this big-ass suit. <laughs> yeah. Again, also a nice touch, though. They had the oversized clothes. Instead of him just being in, like, little kid clothes, you know, small yeah. thing like that, I appreciate. Yeah. The ending is so abrupt, though, because, like, I feel like in this last, like, four minutes, we go from Doc transformation scene. Then there's, like, a some awkward ADR with the mom. So, like, again, it doesn't indulge in his, like, relationship with his family hardly at all. It's just like, oh, I love you so much off screen. We, we talked about how great of an actress the mom is. We don't get to see her, you know, like, embracing her child. And it's just like... I remember what it's, it's like a shot from like almost earlier in the movie, but they're back to being kids just walking down the road, roll credits. You know what I mean? I didn't feel like a sense of like conclusion or finality. I don't know if you guys felt the yeah. same way. No, I, I agree. I think movies from this time were more like that. Not always, obviously, but I think movies ended like sometimes very suddenly, like back in the day. And they also kicked off very quickly. Like, this movie does both of those things, right? It gets into him being Tom Hanks fast, and then it ends fast. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, that old style of, of movies, I think, is, is a component of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's pretty much the end of the movie. Did you guys have any final thoughts about the movie before we do ratings? Jonathan? There was one scene that... I thought had a lot of really good wholesome acting from Tom Hanks and from his mom that we never mentioned. And that was where he made the phone call to his mom from his cubicle desk. And he was like trying to communicate with her, but he couldn't really say that it was him. Cause she wouldn't believe it anyways. And he offers to say something that only he would know. Um, and he sings that song, I yeah. guess. Right. And like, you could totally, get the sense of him feeling so torn. Like he obviously is missing and and craving his mother at the time. Like he really needed his family. He's still that lost kid. And um, it it was a good piece of acting right there. And then you have douchebag John Levitz jump in and just like (laughs) fuck it up. So yeah, it's a good moment. And the the comedy like in it like works pretty well to like kind of like yeah. change the tone right right so i think right. that's a good scene like it didn't get too deep but enough to know that he was still struggling with, with right. wanting to 
communicate with his mom as a little kid. Because another angle of this movie could be very depressing, right? For it, sure. It could be. Without the comedy in this movie, this movie is totally depressing. Yeah, or mm-hmm. from the perspective of the mother, yeah. right? That's, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we, like Pappy said, we don't go into it too heavily, but we do see it sometimes. And uh, if that was the movie, like mostly from that perspective, obviously it wouldn't be as fun. But uh, yeah, it could be very tragic. And uh, I guess to talk about nice scenes, one of the nice scenes that I liked is when uh, Josh Baskin, Tom Hanks, is at dinner with a bunch of adults. And one of the hosts of the dinner has a kid who approaches them and says, you know, Dad, can you help me with my homework? Mm-hmm. And the dad's just like, get the fuck out of my face. Like, I don't want to deal with your shit right now. So Tom Hanks goes and helps him with his homework. I, I like that. It's nice. But also, like... The dad is just seeming very dismissive. It's like <laughs> yeah. kind of harsh, right? Yeah. Well, that might also be not not that I'm justifying for the dad or anything, but like that was also a product of the times, though. You know, mm-hmm. you had this like corporate dad who what he did was go to work and like that was not his responsibility to take care of the kids or do anything with the kids. Like, yeah, I have kids, but, you know, that's for. That's for my wife. He's 80s businessman dad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, also exactly. in defense of the dad, that kid's a fucking idiot. Okay, look, forget all the X's and Y's stuff, because that was invented by some teacher that hates kids. All right. Let's imagine that Larry Bird is, is going to score 10 points in a quarter, okay? Yeah, okay. So how many points is he going to score in the entire game? That's easy, that's 40 points. Exactly. That's algebra. Right. But it is. Yeah, right. see, okay. One quarter yeah. is to 10 points that he scores in a quarter. Just as four right. in a whole game is to Y or X or whatever it is you're looking for. Oh. You can do this for earn run averages, field goal percentages, whatever. That's pretty cool. Like he'd never, all he needs to do to understand math is a Larry Bird analogy. Like, oh, I never thought about it in points before. It's like, come on, kid. <laughs> really? It's just numbers. <laughs> come on, dude. Uh, I Actually, I did have a, one other note. This just surprised me from that same Mental Floss article that I was reading. But this is the first woman direct or first woman directed movie to cross the 100 million dollar mark at the box office big huge huge hit yeah i remember wow. we had a big party uh in our family after that happened yeah oh Penny, right man. yeah congratulations <laughs> what happened to all of the big money uh kylo by the way in the family um where did the residuals go uh coke yeah. cocaine uh yeah, yeah. it was all snorted <laughs> Uh, let's get into ratings Jonathan on any rating scale you want what are you going to give big alright this movie is obviously going to get high ratings from me I was introduced to this movie from uh, by my, my mother when I was a kid and I it holds a special place for me it was a movie one of the earliest ones that I can remember where I was like old enough to really un- start to understand what movies are and the storylines and stuff like that. And and it was a movie that we watched together and we've watched it, I don't even know how many times since then. Um, I was probably, I don't know, six or eight years old, maybe. So it's always held a special place in my heart. Um, I enjoy the movie, the story, the improbability of it, even the smart m- remarks. The way that they really just captured the the tone, the the verbiage, the body actions, like everything of a twelve and thirteen year old, you know, um, and I, and I think those those actions and and the way that they um, speak 
holds true to whatever generation of 12 and 13 year olds. It doesn't matter if it was a 12 and 13 year old in, in 80s or 90s or 2000s. Like a lot of those mannerisms are still the same at that age. You're like, you're figuring out life. You're coming through from, from a kid to preteen adolescence kind of area, you know? And uh, it, it was a good time for me. I have, I mean, we were friends at that time. That's still some of the best times of my life as a kid. You know? yeah. So th- from that point of view, it holds a special place for me. And it's going to give me, for my rating, <laughs> it's going to be a two out of two Elizabeth Perkins boobs touched by a 13-year-old. Hey now. Yeah. Hey now. In a grown man's body. Yes, sir. Add that asterisk. <laughs> we can't put on any lists. Quote, unquote. <laughs> very nice. Thank you very much, Jonathan. I'm going to go with the uh, grade rating system, which I don't pull out that often. Uh, Chris Stuckman style. I'm going to give it a B. It is a good movie. It is not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but it's still very good. It doesn't have to be the greatest movie I've ever seen. All this movie has to be is watchable, funny, and cute. And it, it does pull those things off, especially the cuteness of it. Like, like I said, this is not the kind of movie that you will watch and like gut bust laugh at like you would with maybe something like The Big Lebowski or whatever your flavor of comedy movies is. Maybe it's fucking pixels for all I know. Um, it's not that, but it is charming and it's got Tom Hanks and he's doing it really well. The story is interesting, right? The premise of it and it executes it pretty well. So for me, it's just a solid B. Pappy. Good, good rating. With no nostalgia, you know, really attached to me i'm gonna give it a 7.2 out of 10 cars that turn into bugs so the car transforms into a bug i don't get it i don't get it um (laughs) you know there's so much good in this movie a lot of great performances the keyboard piano scene is classic for a reason Uh, it absolutely deserves to be it's very practical and looks great and awesome it's not that the sexuality stuff bothers me. It's just that it was like, I feel like there's so much more and maybe it would be too obvious, but like low hanging fruit in terms of like emphasizing the family dynamic, right? Like every time we've talked about the mom, we've only like sung her praises as, as a, such a great actor, the actress that she is, you know? And when you turn 13, your relationship starts to change with your parents, right? They go from being like, Oh, they know everything. They're the greatest people in the world. To starting to enter your your teenage, more angsty years. I think it would have been better if, like, there would have been more of an emphasis played on, like, he misses his mom, his mom misses him. Maybe even like emphasizing like their relationship starting to strain a little bit more in the movie. I mean, we get like one scene of that where he has to take out the trash, but like, I feel like that could have been a little bit more done there that I would have liked. But for the movie that we get, I mean. Just, I just love young ha- young Hanks and like a, a pretty stacked cast of people that you're gonna recognize from other stuff and yeah it's very charming eminently watchable and yeah just a very nice time watching movies so pretty good score seven point two out of ten yeah that is good I think we've all given this the uh, high score that it deserves as a good movie as a big movie. And as a slightly dumb movie, hmm. right? Now that we've done big, all we got to do is next week we'll do dumb. And then after that, we'll do movie. And then we'll have done all three, big, dumb, and movie. There we go. <laughs> Sequence. Pappy, you have a podcast, don't you? 
Well, Kylo, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you spend a lot of time on that podcast. Jonathan, we need to have you back on the podcast yes, sooner. I'm down. Very, very soon. Um, but yeah, the podcast. I love listening to your podcast, by the way. Ah, thank you. I appreciate that. Dude, the Snatch episode was hilarious. Just listen to that this week. Check out the Snatch episode hosted by Corey. Corey does a lot to help out uh, spoilers. But yeah, spoilers with an explanation point. Orange Cereal Bowl. Um, you'll hear some of the same voices that you hear on Big Dumb Movie. We're all one big dumb family. Just make sure you're subscribed to everybody. You like everybody and give everybody ratings and reviews. That's the nicest thing you can do. Absolutely. Thank you, Pappy. If you, the listeners, want to talk to us, you can email us at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com. If you're listening on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to us on YouTube, even if that's not your place where you're going to listen to us. It just helps us. The most important thing you can do for us listeners is leave us a written review and positive rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps immensely. Uh, Big Dumb Movie does not ask for your money, but we do ask for your ratings. Also, if you want to give us some good comments, that will help. We've gotten a lot of shitty comments from people, especially lately. People that are just fucking up their own ass in my comment section. And generally, I don't reply. I just, like, save them for later to read on the air, which I will do. But I, I just want you guys to know, those of you that do like us, like, come on. Say something nice, for the love of God. Please, I need you. I'm just sitting here reading negative feedback all the time, and it's, like, it's frustrating. But I know that there are uh, listeners that do like us, so... Keep it up, guys. We're going to Jay and Silent Bob your asses. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, you'll have to make those flights alone. I can't afford the tickets. <laughs> I'll, I'll help you out. All right. So that's it for this time. Thank you guys for listening. Play us out, Jackson.
Robert Loja. Okay. So first of all, you have, I was about 10 beers deep. Okay. At and your I, sister's I, wedding. At my sister's wedding. And I don't really drink that much. Like I literally the last time I was drunk was probably well over eight months ago. So his tux was all gray. The groom. The groom. Yeah. All gray. Red shoes and a red bow tie. <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> no, I know where okay. this is going. Let's see. So they were going to Texas and they were gonna go see the Alamo. And I Are go you fucking and I told me? my sister, I go, he looks like Pee-wee fucking Herman, but the Mexican version, and you're going to the Alamo, you gotta take your tuxedo and take a fucking picture of him. Dude, she was fucking rolling dude on the ground crying in her wedding dress because she was so fucking just just laughing her ass off dude she's like he's taking the fucking suit he's taking it so they're they supposedly took pictures at the alamo <laughs> in his fucking peewee herman oh tuxedo in the basement uh, yeah. like instantly she goes she goes i remember I remember the Alamo. Yeah. <laughs> it was so Did good. they call you and do the song? No, they didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't bother them on their honeymoon. No, but I was like, I told her that she needed to um, teach him how to do the Pee Wee Herman dance at the bar and uh, get him to do it. So we'll see. So I, haven't, I haven't talked to her since <laughs> I got back. So we'll see. Anyway, 